welcome to another edition of my Untitled Podcast. Um, have the pleasure of uh, talking with Veronica Knight, uh, Sean Knight's wife, uh, the vocalist of Ch- Childbite. And the interesting thing I wanted to talk to them about is their working relationship, uh, being married and uh, being co-founders of Berserker Fest, uh, now in its fourth year, I believe. And uh, just uh, a lot of the things that they do that kind of goes hand in hand with their their uh, careers. Uh, so, good morning, Veronica. Hi, how are you? Good. Um, I kind of don't really know where to start off, so I always like to ask uh, the guest uh, to tell me a little bit about themselves so people can kind of get an idea of who they, who these people are and more about them. Uh, well, uh, uh, Sean and I both have been doing Berserker for the last uh, four years. I'm also a booking agent for uh, Tone Deaf Touring. Um, I have about... Uh, nine bands that I represent that I book tours for, as well as doing the Berserker Fest that I'm basically I uh, handle the talent buying for all the bands uh, in the fest and uh, does do a lot of the production work, which is a lot of handling. Sean is uh, TTX care of a lot of the art part, um, and we both curate which bands we want to pick, and that's kind of the interesting part about uh, Berserker is we'd like to we kind of like to not be told who to have. <laughs> uh, we kind of look at it as a show for ourselves. If uh, if no one else likes it, at least we had a concert that we really liked. So <laughs> that's kind of where we started it, and then it kind of went from there. So that's us in a nutshell, I guess. Uh, the... The Berserker has been going on for the last four years, and it's kind of grown exponentially, and, and we've been really excited to have the Crowfoot uh, Complex have them come in on it and help us. It's been a tremendous help to have them uh, with backing. They've been really supportive, and it's great to have someone support such a DIY uh, movement, too. That always helps. What uh in the beginning of Berserker Fest, like I guess, what makes what makes one want to put on a festival? Well, I felt uh, we both felt that Detroit was kind of lacking a sort of when we were when we were in our younger years. Sean and I have been together uh, half our lives now. I think we've been together nineteen years, and we used to go to a lot of uh, festivals together and a lot of but a lot of DIY that I would get so excited about that I would I would shake I loved going to these shows some of them being like five bands five bucks or excuse me and then there was other ones that you know were a little bit bigger but we never really had I always had more excitement going to these uh, these smaller DIY shows where I got to excuse me where I got to uh, learn about and discover new bands that was that was my excitement, and I know Sean's too. We would know maybe one or two uh, bands that were playing, and then the rest of them we would just absorb. And <clears throat> a lot of times it was great to be able to to uh, discover ones that we would love for the rest of our lives. And it would just be – that was what was so cool about being young in Detroit. And then we realized that there wasn't really anything like that uh, going on around here that was – national bands but also local bands that because there are so many great Detroit artists but a lot of them weren't being seen in a broad spectrum they were mainly being seen as you know 
shows one-off here or there, and we wanted to kind of be able to focus on that and bring the DIY feel to uh, to the rest of the city and have them and other people enjoy or get excited like I would when I was younger. And still to this day, there was a fest called Michigan Fest, and that was one that I that's, uh, sticks in my head for one that uh, we'd like to sort of base um, Berserker what? as an example of. And that was something that I know that <clears throat> Sean felt the same way. And b- him being in a, also a DIY band for right. years, this is uh, kind of <clears throat> something that's kind of near and dear to him. How I get, I mean, kind of, I don't like, know. Focus if, on that. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, I, uh, I know I tend to get a lot of questions when uh, people find out I book shows that I trying to figure out how to say this. It always seems that people don't have a grasp of how you do it, um, which kind of right. is shocking because it's, it's actually, I feel like maybe it's just me. I feel like it's easy, but right. I think it's just that people don't feel like they have a, an understanding of where even to begin. Right. So when you're starting a festival, in in literally starting a festival, like from the first time you're going to do it to even uh, as you continue to do it, where mm-hmm. do you start? Well, Sean and I keep a, a, a running list of bands that we he might find while he's on tour. Okay. Or I uh, come across in researching uh, bands to tour for my bands to tour with, or even even we go to, we go out to as many local shows as we can, and uh, we keep our eyes on things that we really enjoy and we think other people would enjoy, and then we just keep a we share a document that as a list of bands that when we find them we share it with you and then when it's time to start working on booking the fest we revisit it and go through and see who has played recently who hasn't played uh who we think people need to see and uh maybe we people we think need to see but maybe not this is this year maybe they need to grow a little bit and then we have them uh i think it's just that's the main thing for us is um, featuring uh, right bands that right we time. really want to support. How hard is it to... Is there a lineup, like, when you start, like, do you, is there, like, a lineup that, like, because you, as you say, you kind of whittle down who you think, uh, you know, would be good this year, who's ready. Is it ever, do you ever have, like, a, like, man, if this year, like, we really could get, like, all these bands, like, this would be, like, you know, the best lineup we could put forth? Or is it kind of a lot of, we really like this band, I guess we're going to have to see if they're available? Or Yeah. Yeah, and that normally comes with the Nationals, because, you know, of course, you always have dreams of, you know, being able to work with bands like the Melvins or, you know, whatever, or Phantomus or something like that, where we <clears throat> we always have a have a goal, but there's not, <clears throat> I think the... The uh, focus is a lot of the smaller bands, but if we can try to get people to support the scene, because uh, I think <laughs> this is maybe going on a complete uh, curveball, but the digital age is sort of, I think, affecting live shows, and it seems to be there's not as many people coming out to see live music, and I think it's such a it's such an important part of music is to see the performance and see the craft 
in person and I I think being able to have a show that that is exciting enough for people to come out uh, it's a lot of pressure but it's also something that we want to make sure happens because like I said there's a feeling to this and it gets lost when there's so much you can so it's everything's so easily accessed that uh, people just decide not to go see live shows they have it right at their fingertips they can watch it online they can it's but it's not the same feeling and I think a lot of people are missing that so if we can create something that gets people excited I mean last year we had people come out from Florida and New Orleans and Texas and California and like I we had all these people that were coming up to Sean and I excited that there was something else to come to that was in the Midwest because there's not a lot of there's even the Midwest um, festivals and you know I know I think a lot of people don't do it because it is a lot of work it's really it's pretty hard <laughs> it's it's tremendously hard and frustrating when I mean I'm one of those people that I I mean like I'm working on a show for June <laughs> and I'm yep. already I basically like one band away from from have being done yeah and to me it's like if I can't get it done within a day like I get frustrated because I'm like okay like I'm on my phone I'm answering all these text messages emails right. whatever why can't you <laughs> or right. at least just get back to me and say like sorry this isn't gonna work and then I can move on like it just sucks like having one thing be the linchpin for why it's not moving as fast as I would like it to um, right but I and so like that's why I, you know it's interesting to me that, that the fact that you and Sean work on this or even like someone like Matt Dalton with Dirt Fest like it just I know what like a show is like to run like and it's completely exhausting like right. from start to finish dealing with the egos the demands of everything that I can't imagine right. multiplying it by at least I'm going to say 100% uh, right. and then just worrying about it like you know all the work that's been put into it and then worrying about like how you know the fans are going to react to a lineup that you know you put a lot of work and work into to making it the best that it can be just to hear someone online like make a comment like well this band fucking sucks it was better like two years ago and it's like <laughs> right it's like it just seems like in today's yeah, and that, just... that's also something yeah that makes it actually pretty a lot harder is when you take personally because people don't realize either that you actually are looking at the event page and yeah. the complaints or the the and it's just it's hard not to take it personally because you're you're you know inevitably making this for them yeah so when they're complaining about something that you're working so hard to make for someone else uh, it ends up being very frustrating, and it's hard not to take it personally. So I, I'm trying not to like look as much, but in the, in, <laughs> at the end, it's it's good to see what people like and don't like, so we can tr keep striving to make it better. Do you, you feel know? like that but, at times? Sorry to cut you off. Do you feel like at times that that's maybe a hindrance though, because you're you're not putting out necessarily the truest representation of what you're trying to do with the festival? Right. Well, that's. I think that there's. Uh, I think it's becomes a craft of knowing what to uh what to listen to and what not to like if there is we we put out a post um earlier in the year or last year that saying what bands would you like to see and we took every suggestion to heart we we made notes we looked down and saw and if it was bands obviously that we also agreed that we liked then we would put we put them on our list did you find you know I was gonna say, did you find that uh, 
there were a lot of similarities between the bands you were working at getting or had on your radar that people were suggesting they wanted to see? Yeah. That's awesome. And then there was ones that were, that, that were um, kind of ones that we frankly didn't think of, and we were like, of course. Why didn't we think of that? So having <laughs> not just, you know, it's just Sean and I, our brains, you know, and we our scope can only go so far. And luckily, going back to the digital age, it is nice that we have that um, – that at our fingertips in that sense so we if we there is somebody we want to look up or you know when bands will email me sometimes and you know express interest and that happens actually a lot and so trying when we I want to listen and give interest to everybody who's interested too because we're all kind of in it together so if they're supporting me at what I do with this then I need to give that back Regardless if I like their band or not, they're giving me enough time to email me to ask me if I I'd be interested, and that that's important to me, and that means a lot to me. That it's that people want to be a part of it, regardless if you know they'll be there or not. I give you know it's a, it's but that takes a lot of time because you know when I'm getting you know ten to fifteen a day trying to keep track of the bands that I liked, <laughs> the bands that I that I wasn't so sure about, but the fact that, you know, but it is it is heartwarming to see the interest. I just hope it translates, you know, when the day comes and people show up, you know. That's all. Every day I'm like, "Oh, please, I hope this works." But you know, you never you, you never know and it's a little anxiety ridden, you know, and you know as a <laughs> promoter all you have to do is cross your fingers and wait. <laughs> oh, it is it is the worst. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I and I, you know like it's the other thing too is I find at least with the successful people the sex, successful uh, booking and promoting people are they I think care more sometimes than the bands do about how well the show does and that you know everyone's happy. I know for me it's like right. very like emotionally and physically draining because like I'm walking around thanking people I know like hey thanks for coming out making sure like yeah. the, I get FaceTime with the bands and making sure like that you know they know that like I'm appreciative of them agreeing to work with me and that everything is going right. smooth like in an industry in like you keep saying like in a digital age it's you know just one one mis misstep even like there goes like your all the good like will that you've uh, earned with people Right, it's, you know, bad news travels way faster than good news, sadly. Completely. But it's uh, yeah, it's it's very rewarding. Like, there's nothing more more rewarding to me than to look around at a lot of people, like everyone having a good time and knowing that like I had a hand in bringing joy to that many people all at once. Right. Yeah, and it's great to feel. You know, we've we haven't had a, and I think that's partly why the Crowfoot was excited to work with us. Uh, on this is because they saw the people being so appreciative of it and have having something be able to be there that has you know it's an underground music scene that is sometimes forgotten and it's nice that a big organization like the Crowfoot would want to be a part of it because they see they see the importance of it too so and it's nice every year we have you know we'll go deep into the year with people still thanking us on Facebook for having it or saying that it was the best fest and that kind of comments are you know what I, I 
love to hear, you know, of course. I don't want to have people going, well, they can't believe how much the tickets are. And, yeah. and you know, sometimes that's hard, too, because you have, you have to, depending on how, what kind of bands you have, you have to, you know, but we like to try to keep it uh, cheap. Yeah. You know, we like to keep it affordable so people can can make it regardless of, you know, so, you know, if we have to get a couple extra sponsors or, you know, whatever, so we don't, it doesn't have to break anybody's bank. Like, I know a lot of people travel to Maryland Death Fest every year. It's yes. a tradition that a lot of people do, and I think that's great. And I want to, I would love Berserker to be the, the same destination festival thing. for people. Yeah. You, uh, I'm trying to remember if I have this information correct from, from last year. Last year was the first time that saw you do multiple venues for the festival like having different bands at different places no we actually have been doing that the same way uh well the first two years was at uh the loving touch in the wab uh in okay. ferndale so there was and in the wab there was two stages uh one in the upstairs one in the downstairs and then the loving touch was our main stage okay i, I think so, maybe i thought that the the two stages were because i think they have different names too for just kind of like the pure uh here at the intersection, we have the stash and then the main room, so it sounds like it's two venues, even though it's housed in one, so I think I just thought right. it was a different venue. Oh, right, yep. And then last year, we had the Masonic, but it was all in the same complex, just different floors okay. every uh, for every... Stage. Uh, so as you got up, yeah, every uh, as you went up the stairs, the bigger the stage, So, <laughs> So the Crowfoot is actually a really great venue with the fact that they have a, a smaller, like three different sized rooms to a lot, you know, the various Yeah, it's, it's perfect. It's really set up exactly how we would want it to be. And Sean is kind of a genius when it comes to the schedule, because he will schedule uh, this these stages to be staggered so you can see pretty much a little bit really of everybody catch 15 minutes of every band yeah 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 i would not have been able to come up with because i look at it and it still boggles my mind but it works <laughs> but he figures out how to do it and it's, the formula has worked every year and it makes a fest like the last this is the first year we've we've narrowed it down to two days uh which uh is i think it's great i think people get too worn out with three <laughs> so yes, but i think the um with we've had it with two days and it you know looking at trying to figure out you know these 30 bands plus the kickoff so having to do, do it but the formula has been true every year still there be, oh, in a there weekend go by really fast they go by quickly when you have 15 bands and you know, you start at seven o'clock. You think, how the heck am I going to see fifteen bands from <laughs> seven to two? And you do because you just. But it goes so fast when you're only seeing fifteen minutes of every band too. So it works. With having uh, so many bands playing, you know, and with it, I'll just use the Crowfoot as the example. In three stages, how how hard is it to keep everything on time, or is it in dealing with that many bands? Like, is it like is everyone kind of Understanding, like you don't go over. What was that? Oh yeah, yep, and yeah. Every uh, every one of our sound guys has the rules. Like it goes, <laughs> you've got your half hour sets, so they know that this is how it works. And if it goes a few minutes over, it's fine. But we need that half hour for changeover. Right. So there is that. Um, so there is that importance to keep it on schedule because we want 
every everybody needs to be able to be, see those bands. So it's a pretty tight run ship. Um, every sound guy knows you're cut off if you if you got on the stage late and you had technical problems. I'm sorry, but this is your a lot of time, and there's not much we can do about it because we can't um, we can't change the time of you know just because you got longer doesn't mean this other person should get this other band should get shorter time. So it's not really fair to anybody else. So so that's really how how you know we try to keep we have to be a little bit strict when it comes to the time because it's only 15 minutes of a you know <laughs> but the headliners they get longer and it's that's something that we you know you know they they are a lot of our draw so we have to give them that uh kind of time which is which i mean i'm okay with seeing an hour of guar so that's okay <laughs> uh speaking of actually it's perfect segue speaking of guar in the last you know you you seem to get like a really good you know a headliner uh each year and it, it seems to grow are you finding that does the being able to the quality of i don't know if quality of bands is the right word i want to say because that makes it sound like some are inferior um <laughs> but the level of bands that you're able to get do you find that sometimes with sean uh traveling for and touring with Childbite and some of the connections maybe that he's got that it's allowed more doors to open for you to get some of the bands maybe you are on that level that you want to get uh, uh, sometimes I, I feel like, you know, a lot of the, a lot, it's kind of a, um, I think that's part of it. And I think I, like I, being a booking agent, I deal with a lot of other agents too. Okay. So we, um, we choose our headliners. Work and both have. Um, these lists and there's people that he you know with him being in the house core um, camp with Phil Anselmo he has um, reach in that camp like those friends of Phil um, because of because they're friends of Phil they've heard of Childbite they've heard of Sean and that helps because Sean does all the artwork for for uh, Phil and his projects so he's known for his art and he's known for child bite so that helps on phil spectrum and then my benefit is um the added benefit is knowing having contacts in the talent world under the booking agents so i know how to who to contact and i know how it works uh i know how that back end part of what works (laughs) so so um it's kind of it helps that both of us you know i think it actually makes it easier that we uh, yeah. Both have qualities that come to make it to make it work smoother. I feel like if you were just, but like I don't, I couldn't see myself doing it all by myself. I I think I would go nuts. And I <laughs> and there's a lot of like more like my tastes are more of a thrash and grind uh, and um, hardcore and. Sean likes that too, but he's more on the metal side of things. Right. So, but it all, it all comes under the same umbrella. So we both have, um, you'll, that's why you'll see through Berserker, the different kinds of bands that actually will, uh, come together for Berserker, but everybody likes it all because it is under the same umbrella. That's why Sean, our relationship was built on music. We first met because he had a tattoo 
<laughs> Mr. Bungle cover artwork, and I started talking to him about it. And he was he was like, oh, check who knows who Mr. Bungle is. That's pretty awesome. So then we just started talking, and that's how how it all started so many years ago. So and it, like so, music has been our base, and we've both been passionate about it. He's you know he's been uh, a bigger player in it for longer than I obviously longer than I have but I've been an attendant attendant of shows as long as I can remember so I think that that translates like I'm not you know you know when you get older and it's still it's not a phase for me you know there was people that I would go shows with when I was younger that don't I'll I'll bring up and oh did you know about this show that we it was like it's like going to a show that we went to when we were younger and you yeah. know people you know oh no I'm okay <laughs> but you know, for me it's I still get excited and I like Sean and I will both drive from we'll drive to different states for shows we get excited about you know we'll drive to Ohio to see Carcass or we'll we'll uh, <laughs> drive to we'll, we'll fly to Colorado for a fest that's got exhumed and skinless so like there's there's things that we like to do. It makes it an adventure, but music's always the base, and that's what what I think is helped Sean and I be such a good team for so many years. Is we have this common interest that we both work at. We both have jobs in it, so it helps because we have we can run ideas off each other all the time, and and uh, you know we just we have to make each other's opinions count and be heard and respected and we both do that like he i think he's a genius and he's humble <laughs> he's very <laughs> humble you will find out <laughs> yeah. he's very humble but it's... he he is uh he he knows a lot about a lot of things musically and you know that's something i whenever he talks about it i just sit and listen because you know he knows he know he knows a lot more than i do <laughs> so <laughs> But it's great. But it's also, you know, a lot of years it was, you know, you were, this is uh, Veronica Knight. And I was always introduced as Veronica Knight, Sean Knight's wife. That was my role <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> but I was also grateful to have it because it was, you know, to be with somebody like that, that can, that can transcend art in so many ways is really an honor that I get to be part of it and I don't know if feminists will hate that I just said that but I th <laughs> I do I feel like you know having him as my my partner is has been you know such a great uh I mean I I, I couldn't have I couldn't see my life with anybody else it's interesting to I think a, a parallel between and why I connect, I guess, with both you and Sean is is it's very similar to how my wife and I are in that, like, we, through meeting, we realized that we had been at a lot of shows together, even some that were attended with, like, 20 other people, so it's like, yeah. you were one of 18 other people in the room, and you were the only girl, and I think I stood behind you at this show and thought you were really cute, but I was too chicken shit to say anything, <laughs> so it's really interesting that all these years later, like, we ended up together, and right. we still go to shows like I'm, I'm sitting in like my old office of sorts looking at all the shows and the posters and the tickets and stuff of shows we've gone to and I mean like we still get excited about shows like she sent me a text last yesterday while I was at work and it's like hey my check my bonus was like way more or not my bonus my raise was way more than I thought it was so you yeah. want to go to see Big Sean in Detroit on April Fool's and I was like fuck yeah let's go so I mean it's right. just you know it's fun that we can We'll, we still get excited about going to shows and, and very much like you said like hey so and so is playing 
Like, we were really heartbroken when the uh, Wilson show in Cleveland was uh, sold out because we were going to be like, fuck it, let's go to Cleveland and go see the dudes. Uh, right. And then she had never been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, so we're going to try oh, to do that. And then, uh, yeah. Stuff like that. So it's like it's fun and exciting to have a spouse uh, that is has the same interest in you and still likes to, you know, I was reminded of this a little bit in another side tangent, thinking about it yesterday because a coworker was talking about how uh, we were bringing up Marilyn Manson because we were listening to uh, Portrait of American Family at work, and uh-huh. uh, we were discussing about how we all had seen him over the years, and uh, we went with my wife's parents to go see him at Soaring Eagle when it was him and Alice Cooper uh, like two summers ago, and uh-huh. my coworker's like, oh, I was at that show too. My mom had to get our tickets since she lives up in, near the casino. And right. I remember telling her on the way up, like, you remember when you said this was a fad and I would stop going to see shows like this or bands like this, and here I am, like, you know, 10, 15 years later, and I'm still going to see the same bands and still getting right. excited. So it's, right. it's interesting that it's like, you know, for some people it definitely was a, a phase, and it is kind of sad when I see people who are like, like, there's this thing on Facebook going around, like, the 10 albums uh, that oh, influenced or impacted you in high school. And the hard part for me is since I have friends of varying ages – like I'm like that fucking album didn't come out in high school and like oh wait I forgot you're like seven years younger than me or ten years younger than me but it's still a record that impacted me even as you know a young mid 20 something or you know like Code Orange uh, just put out an album yesterday that has me excited for hard heavy music and pushing the boundaries of what it can be and it gets me excited as as an individual to see bands like that that are still you know a band that shouldn't be on my radar but it is Yep. But then still seeing bands like, you know, Guar or whatever that are still have been around for 30 years or so and still killing it and still having a good time going to see those bands, too. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. And I think, too, the the, you know, I was I've been seeing those posts myself and it made me really reflect and look because there's parts that there's, of course, albums that I'm like, oh, I love that one and I love that one. <laughs> but I, I also feel like that was part of like like the more the parts of my youth weren't the albums they were the shows yes they were going to these shows and being like that's i remember that it's like you know when you have a smell and you're like oh i remember that or we hear a sound you remember it brings back memories and it doesn't remind me of when i listened to that record it reminded me of when i was at that show yeah and that's it that's the that's the part i think you know that's also you know it's an important lost part of thing of this you know world we're in but you know i remember you know i don't i'm not sure your age but (laughs) when i was younger we didn't have a thing called internet (laughs) yeah i i think i'm the last generation i'm 32 uh i think i'm of the last generation really that kind of remembers when internet was a thing that you were not everyone had and then when you had it could email and that was it yeah pretty much (laughs) (laughs) yeah and that was that was something so you know i i remember looking for music and I would come home I grew up in up north Michigan and I had so there wasn't a lot of outlet there was no record stores for me or I had I'd have to drive an hour to go find record stores and so a lot of mine were people making me mixtapes or they would be zines that I would you know write in for some new music or uh, I remember there was one part of my day right after school that I would come home and record our Detroit radio station because they would play <laughs> just for an hour. They would play the music I like, so I would go and I record. <laughs> I record music so I could have it 
Um, but that was so my my discography was mainly mixtapes when I was younger. But it it also I, when I would discover something that I love so much, I just wanted to share it with everybody. I was so excited about that. So then that's where mixtapes were such a big big thing for for me anyway. I remember I got a, I got some Dead Milkmen and I was like, what is this? <laughs> there was some there were some parts of. Uh, music that I had not heard yet and that was my discovery of punk was through zines and mixtapes and it was uh, I think Gang of Four was another one that blew me away when because you know I had access to the mainstream MTV stuff like right. you know Faith No More and Pantera but for the underground stuff when someone would give me this mixtape and I would hear uh, something completely crazy then I'd be like what is this and then I would find it more even something Thing like the laws I found, and so the discovery of music was way more is was way more uh, exciting for me. There was something about when I would discover a band or discover some record of somebody or uh, new music that made me connected to whoever gave me that mixtape. But it also uh, it also broadened my music culture. Like there was, I liked so many different types of genres. But they mainly all kind of hover under this punk realm. Like I also love The Cure, so there's this, this you know, catalog. But it's all different kinds, and it still grows. There's there's music, this noise rock stuff that's coming out. There's so many great noise bands, and it's, you know, it's, it's forever changing. And I think that that there's this band I just started listening to called Ghost. G-O-S-S, I think? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I cut you off. Music now. So, I think that there's there's a lot to come for us, but I, I'm hoping that, you know, the immediacy that you can get music now. Before, I had, to, I had to work for it, and then when I got it, I was really excited. But now there's such an immediacy that you can put on Spotify, you like an artist, you put on the Spotify radio... Of that artist, and ta-da! You just discovered twelve bands, <laughs> and it's not like there was no there's no work, so you don't appreciate it as much. Does that make sense? It does. So, I I feel like that's I feel like that's kind of the thing that I like. You know, I know at least with and kind of tying it back to Berserk Berserker Fest, I feel like there's so many bands. Like there's probably at least five or six bands that usually get announced that I'm always like, that's a oh man that's a that's a solid fucking lineup like those bands rip like i've seen this band or i wanted to see this band but then it's like as more bands get announced a lot of times i find myself going like i don't know who that is and then i just start falling down the rabbit hole of you know going on (laughs) itunes and seeing what i do and don't like and then just kind of like man typically it always ends up being that it's uh i usually have trips already planned right around it so it's like in order to like uh because usually the Chicago Tattoo Convention falls, like, before it, and then it's, like, there's usually a trip, like, within a month or two after, so it's, like, well, I'm recovering from one trip to get, and get ready to pay for another, and going to shows <laughs> in general uh, kind of right. has to, to fall off for me in that time frame, but... It's, That's uh, great. It is. I, uh... Yeah. It's funny, I... And I'm sure you're in the same boat, you and Sean are in the same boat. We, uh... Kind of hitting that point in life where everyone's starting to have, like, kids and buy houses and and all that kind of stuff (laughs) and it's like you know my wife and i'll be like we're gonna go to atlanta and go see you know the last uh baseball game and the braves are playing against the tigers and then you know like getting excited because we ran it like i ended up running into steve from the chariot 
super random on the way to the baseball game and like my wife was like who the fuck is this guy how do you know someone here we've never been to atlanta i was like this is steve from the chariot and she goes okay and then like the next day we ended up running into rick flair and it's like people are like that's so cool you ran into these people i'm like yeah i mean <laughs> like i don't have a kid like it, it's it sounds shitty but it's like i don't have a kid so i don't have that thing that's tying me down to where i can't go have these adventures and have these random things yeah. happen yeah we feel that we feel the same way we've we've had that you know in our discussions for a while but you know it's it's definitely you know our um our kid is traveling yes <laughs> so it is something sean and i live in a uh, type of airstream tra- like travel trailer so we don't have to worry about uh rent or that sort of thing we are able to um he can go on tour and because you know touring doesn't make a ton of money so you get and you know booking also as you know doesn't make a lot of money <laughs> what so, no i thought touring and uh, booking shows is where all the money was <laughs> i wish <laughs> but it is something that you know it it's a we moved, we decided to do this tiny house living so to speak mainly because we wanted to be able to afford to go and enjoy our life a little bit more because the stuff we had wasn't as important as the adventures the life we were living and so and really we looked at it as it doesn't matter our you know it doesn't matter how much money we have or how much stuff we have it just we could be living in a cardboard box but we have each other and those are the memories you know you we were we it was kind of a weird uh situation when we were moving into it because we were trying to get rid of all of our stuff and i was trying to we have 20 years of things belongings that we <laughs> and their memories so it was kind of a strange like what memories are important and which ones aren't and then we i realized it's not sean was a part of all those memories and i have him so really it doesn't matter if i have that framed picture of us in Vermont or <laughs> whatever <laughs> and it's not like you know we have we have that together so we know that our first date was anal cunt and 7,000 dying rats we don't need stuff you know to remember that we have we have that so having you know it's it's an interesting retrospect when you have to go and look go through all of the things you have and figure out what's important to take with you and what's not and that was, you know, when you're moving into 250 square feet, you only have, <laughs> you only have so much. <laughs> so, but it, it is, it has been, that's been an adventure on its own, learning how to re, you know, to think outside the box on everyday kind of things. That's, uh, I'm going to kind of piggyback off of that. Cause you talk about like not having, you know you can kind of let go of the things because you have the memories and you have the person that that memory is attached to right something that i think is and it kind of again piggybacks off of what you were saying about uh like digital age like people like needing things like and living a, a social media life per se that yeah. it's like you know there's not really a whole like my wife and i don't take a ton of photos together at all like <laughs> like no. we are we're there together we don't need to be like oh here was us when we went and did this although it right. kind of makes me feel a little sad sometimes that it's like we don't have a, like a ton of photos when i see like go to other people's houses and there's all these memories they have but, <laughs> we're the same yeah uh but in the same token um you know i think uh and the thing i think it's interesting about you and sean like you just mentioned that you basically kind of gave up a tr- more traditional life to travel and and do more of your own thing since both of your jobs allow you to kind of work from home uh so to speak okay. that uh 
man, I just lost my train of thought. This is the problem with doing things early in the morning. Um, <laughs> his, uh, you know, that you are constantly, you and Sean are, like, so tied up in one, one another's lives. You know, you had mentioned that you, you book for Child Bite, um, and you do booking in general. And then, you know, you guys work with Berserker Fest together, which is probably, like, a, a most-of-the-year thing. Uh-huh. And you live together in a small space. You know, in a day and age where so many people put faith in the illusion of being happy and, you know, oh, if we have all these photos of us and, every you know, everything's perfect, I think it's really commendable that in this day and age that you two kind of shuck all of that shit and, you know, it's about the two of you, but I feel like does it ever get to a thing where, like, I'm in a four-bedroom house and sometimes, like, the best thing is that we have two bathrooms, so, like... <laughs> I, I can shower and you know my wife can put on makeup and get ready to do whatever or you right. know what you know things like that like little things like that are what I think makes it nice that uh you know oh, yeah. make the marriage work I'm not work. saying we don't miss that <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of times that I'm like oh hot showers in my house would be great <laughs> but I do we do have well, and that's another uh, thing too. We both are currently working contract uh, jobs for the ad agency for Chevy. So oh, wow. when he's not touring, he's there. So we we do Berserker together. We book Childlike together, and we also work contract jobs together. So we drive to work together. We have lunch together. We drive home together. But uh, it turns into a lot of like meetings. <laughs> it's more like. <laughs> let's discuss berserker now okay now let's move on to child light or you know we talk about uh you know there's lots and i also have other side jobs that i do that's mine like i have a crochet business so he he you know completely supports me in that too but it is it's interesting and i'm surprised um because a lot of people will ask me how it is on our relationship to live in such a small space and when you live in a small space like this with someone and you know I probably know Sean better than anybody and he knows me better than anybody because we've spent half our lives together and it is something that uh, I think benefits but I think this living in a small space has actually helped us to grow grow. I feel like our relationship is stronger than it's ever been and I feel like that's a lot of you have to deal with your shit instead of it being like oh I have an argument you can just I, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna go to this other room slam the door and steam, <laughs> you know let off some steam where you can't do that there's nowhere to go <laughs> it is all one room except for the bathroom and that's way too small to hang out in <laughs> so you have you have to deal with your shit and I think that's important that a lot of people you know a lot of people have the outlet to go run away and not deal with things and then you deal with them later so it prolongs having to you know figure out you know you basically can have your conversations and you can have progressive uh or productive conversations that actually help so you don't have those fights anymore so it's really kind of been but at the same time you know sean's gone six months out of the year (laughs) for touring so that probably helps that he could be gone for a month and i have this little 250 square feet by myself and and my my two dogs and that's all you know i need so but i'm you know i've been on the road with him and sometimes it's great sometimes it's not great so I'm okay with him, you know, being gone. Sometimes I go out with him for a couple weeks, and I love it. And then there's other times where it's just like, yeah, you can have this one. (laughs) I'm going to stay home. 
but it's nice uh, to be able to share that too. Where and being his booking agent, it's really helped us a lot. Me, basically, I know where he is all the time, so it's not <laughs> where I'm not like, what city are you in tomorrow? Right. <laughs> I I know because plus I you also understand. Like I remember uh, when I had a show at the Pyramid Scheme and. Uh, Bridget, my wife wanted to see what the back, quote unquote, backstage area, the green room area looked like, and I was like, "It's nothing fancy." And so I took her back there. She goes, "This is it." And I go, "Yeah, this is it." And there's like, on at different times, there yeah. might be like all the bands, like three or four bands worth of gear, and then like ten or twelve dudes crammed in this back area. And for those who don't know, the back room of the pyramid scheme is basically just a sectional couch that ends right to the bathroom door. Oh yeah, <laughs> and then a stage, and then right. like a little narrow yep. hallway, and that's it. So it's Don't like when she went back there, she was like, there. yeah, she goes, oh. And I was like, so do you want to hang out back here? Because, like, I usually hang out back there just to, like, talk with the bands. Like, hey, like, you're going on, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or we might be running over. Can you cut a song? Or to grab a beer. Or to right. use a bathroom if right. the other bathrooms are busy. But uh, yeah, it's one of those things. Like she, I think I shattered, shattered her illusion of what a backstage area looked like. <laughs> so it's, I it's, think that's, a, that's what's funny. This the Behind the scenes of this business people don't understand that it's not like i think my parents still think sean is probably on like a tour bus like warrant or something <laughs> <laughs> that's not the case so i even think, I think being... you know i remember going on tour and sleeping next to a cat litter box and going oh this is a lot of fun yeah i <laughs> yeah. you know and maybe it's easier for them because they get an applause every night but if i'm going as their merch person or like just to support uh i'm not <laughs> i'm not <laughs> I'm getting that benefit. You can drive all night to get something, and I'm like just tired and probably sick because yeah. I'm not sleeping very much. But it's it's an interesting thing, like to kind of yeah, it's kind of interesting how peel... how yeah, I was gonna say it's interesting when you kind of peel back the curtain on a lot of it. Like I've been on a few tour buses through having friends in the industry and whatnot, and it's like it's cool for about the first probably ten fifteen minutes, and then once the oh my god I'm on a tour bus thing kind of wears off, you're just like. I'm in someone's house, basically. Like, this dude, like, people probably sleep on these couches I'm sitting on, and the bunks are tiny, and if someone's, like, trying to sleep or whatever, and it's loud, like, that sucks. Like, you can't get away from anybody. Like, or even in the situation, like, I did a van tour with a band that I had booked from New York uh, on a week's worth of shows going around the Midwest, and it they had no trailer, so all their gear was packed in the back of a 15-passenger van, and there was only five of us, but between all of our bags, all the gear, merch all that stuff it's like basically you're lucky if you have it's like think of like the worst airplane seat like being crammed into an airplane and it's <laughs> right. probably a little bit worse than that yeah and then you know like you said you're like i was the one who booked the shows but like you said like i'd get there i'd talk to the person we'd kind of get ready to like at the end of the night when we'd settle everything out it's like the band's the one who's getting the applause sometimes by myself only <laughs> but it's like no one's no one's applauding the fact that like i made something happen and all this kind of stuff and it's like it's a really as a whole everything from merch person to the drivers to whatever it's it's a real, really thankless process right. uh, it really is so i mean i think and i think that's the thing like it gets kind of uh that i when i like see people like yourself and sean or like you know the matt daltons who have grown dirt, dirt fest or the studio that he has or you know chad uh from wilson with with building wilson or the stuff he's done at the crowfoot and stuff like that I, yeah I'm just drawn to people who, in light of the fact that it's 
not glamorous and it's not easy and it takes a lot of hard work and sacrifices and and you know the people that help each other because of the scene that we're all trying to to be in and and grow that it's more of a community and like i think it's like when you've kind of gone through the trenches with people there's just an understanding like a mutual admiration that you have for each other and what you do and i think that's you know one of the many reasons i wanted to talk to you and sean because you guys just there's so much that you do and even like i said like on your personal level like just your relationship reminds me a lot of the one like we just celebrated a year of being married but we've been together going on a little over six years now yeah so i mean it's one of those things where it's like your relationship is kind of one where i'm like man maybe this within us not so much like the booking like being so heavily tied into it but it's like you know when i book shows and and deal with the stresses of it like she is there with me dealing with everything you know as well and hears me bitch and vent about you know whatever can go wrong and when it does go wrong and egos of other bands and stuff like that but it's it's uh it's a different lifestyle that i i don't think a whole lot of people are privy to and i i definitely had a lot of uh lot of appreciation for what you two do and what you've gone through so i just wanted to like talk to you guys and you know share your story because it's it's definitely one like i said that's it's not unique but i think on so many levels it's inspiring like you know thank you no (laughs) thank you (laughs) that really that means a lot and it's nice i mean just like you and your wife i mean the best part of it is this you get a support in a different kind of way that you you normal married people just don't get if you have your day-to-day life where you go to work every day you come home you kiss your kids they go to bed you watch some tv you go to sleep the next day is the same and it's something that i know sean and i would go crazy if that was our if that (laughs) and it's it's great for other people and i'm not i'm not saying anything bad about that it's just for sean and i i know that it's not that's not our passion is our passion is not to make money and to i mean we've never been paid for a berserker most people might think that we have we make a ton of money <laughs> but we've lost money and we don't get paid and that's but it's fine because it's our passion it's our passion project and it's great that we have even if we lose money sean and i have each other and we can be like look at this thing we did he can say, but look what we vice versa. If he's like, oh, if he's feeling a little down about things, I can put a little sunshine on it. So it's good that we have it for each other, but we're comfortable enough for each other that if we did, if both of us were feeling crappy about something, we could both just vent and go have a drink or whatever and <laughs> deal with it. And then we, you know, move on to the next thing. So it's nice that we both, that I'm, I mean, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for what I have. And, I, I couldn't ask for for more but it, it you know at the same time both of us this is a very you know like you like we talked about this is a very stressful endeavor so to have somebody that understands it at the same time if I was just booking it myself and just doing everything myself and he didn't understand what was going on that would make things a lot harder it was kind of it kind of at the same I'll give you an analogy. I quit smoking like six years ago, and he's never smoked. So for him to, he didn't understand what it was like, <laughs> and so that was a very that was a strain on us because I was I didn't have any. He was he couldn't be my outlet for that, and I uh, or he just didn't understand it. So that caused you know more riffles than what there should have been. But uh, I was quitting smoking, so I was aggro regardless. <laughs> so, but he was 
you know, this is the kind of thing that we're both in it together and we both have the same issues. And if I have some issues, you know, he understands them better than anybody. So it's nice, you know, like you and your wife having this kind of support that nobody really understands, nobody gets is um, it's hard to explain, but it's, I'm, you know, all I can say is I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful that he is, he is uh, kind of that, that sounding board that I definitely need that, you know, everybody should deserve in their life to have someone that they can bounce ideas off of, bitch at, or two. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, and like make those memories with you know you go to weddings and they're like what about you got any tips for the for the you know bride and groom and mine is always always have something to look forward to that's my key and Sean and I have not ever not lived by that we've always had something to look forward to and that's I think important in any relationship so that's I, my <laughs> I feel that's like, my advice if you want a successful relationship for 20 years <laughs> I feel like and I mean I don't have even half of the uh, the time put in but I would say from my parents who are you know and I feel like also the other thing of uh, my generation per se uh, is higher divorce rates um, like it, right. I remember going to school and when you know the few times I'd have people over people were like wow your parents are still together and it's like yeah still together yep and i mean still are to the you know today so i mean it's like i think the other thing that i've always said is foundation to a successful relationship and it doesn't matter if it's you know dating marriage whatever it's any relationship is and it really goes hand in hand with why i think like those who are successful at doing stuff within the music industry is just communication and oh yeah not being afraid to look stupid or foolish and to just kind of put it out there but i think the other thing too at least from my thing perspective is is uh admiration and, and respect for the other person uh and what they do like my wife is went to college for uh, like biochemistry and stuff and works in the pharmaceutical world and over the years i've learned what she does and i kind of comprehend things like when all of her co-workers get together to drink and bitch and but it's like you know like sometimes when they get you know drinking and it's like remember having to take you know chemistry blah 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 and you know they had to teach you these formulations when the fuck did we ever use those and I'm like <laughs> I have no fucking clue what the hell you guys are talking about like I do not come from that world it makes no sense to me sure okay but on the flip side it's like you know when we get together and you know like uh, there'll be a show or something that happens or you know I picked up a, a writing gig in the last year and a half uh, writing show reviews um, and I remember like when I got to do a feature on, on the Wilson guys, actually, um, I'd never written a feature. I've never, like, all of this is brand new to me. Like I just decided I wanted to do it and I, I'm very much of the more DIY vibe myself. Like I just have an aspiration to do something and I, I figure it out. And it was one of those things where, you know, Bridget's always a sounding board for me. Like, you know, I'll show her something I'm working on writing wise. And I'm like, does this suck? Is it too wordy? Is it, you know, I don't know. Like you spend four hours writing something and then you just get lost in it right. and you don't have like a narrative in mind anymore. So you don't think, and it's like a lot of times when I read it or, you know, when she discusses some of these things with her friends, she's like, I think John's actually smarter than I am, you know, cause he, <laughs> you know, he's more creative, even though I don't think what I'm doing is creative. I'm basically just taking other people's creative endeavors and then I'm talking about them or I'm showcasing them. So I feel right. more like a leech, <laughs> but, uh, it's, 
it's one of those things like she has a lot of admiration and respect for you know what i what i can do and what i enjoy doing but i look at all the things that she does and you know that she is in a field that's very stressful and demanding like you know she gets phone calls from companies that are trying to make a drug to you know save people from certain diseases or whatever and they're getting phone calls getting bitched at like this isn't ready in time you're killing people and she has to like come home with that and it's like i don't know what that's like you know if i fuck up a shirt at work like oh well there's you know a fucking replacement to replace a shirt that some kid's gonna wear for 40 dollars. like who cares (laughs) like that's that's the worst of my troubles or hey you know what people didn't come out and so bands didn't get paid as much as we thought we were going to or whatever if shit happens like there's nothing that extraneous that's that happens if i don't do something in any of the fields that i you know have little jobs or whatever where it's like it's hers like it's it's completely different and i you know again it's that perspective of just being you know in awe of what they do day in and day out and then to me yeah. i think that's where the relationship you know a successful marriage or a relationship is is just having that that uh admiration for <clears throat> what you each bring to the table oh i completely agree yep it's really it's an important i mean obviously it's not you know that there's it's not black and white there's a lot to it but i think that is a real important key to any successful partnership regardless even if it's not marriage even if it's just business or anything you got to have some sort of respect and admiration for the people that you are with and if you work with them then that's you know if you're married to them or if you work with them either way i think that's a it's such a a big key and i think there's a lot of people that uh they don't they don't look beyond surface and that's the that's a lot of the problem and like as your wife though that's something there's a lot bigger problems out there than just if my band doesn't um make it to a show in time or (laughs) or if there's you know if there's 20 people at a show or you know whatever i think there are bigger things but of course when you work hard on something and you love it so much there's going to be disappointment regardless you know if there's if there's uh things that happen they're out of your control and life goes on and that's how that's how it is but yeah i get it and that's and you know having having your partner in crime so to speak you know having that support is always the highest importance to me that's that's something to me that i that and i think he looks at me as an equal and that's something that is also uh, being a woman in this industry is a very difficult thing so it's nice that he um respects me just as much like i go to shows and people will think that i just came there with because sean likes his band where a lot of times that's not i take him to shows (laughs) but it's definitely you know that's something but he he understands that and that that also even with this berserker we'll be out, out together and someone will come up and be like oh this is sean he puts all of berserker on and i'm standing right next to him <laughs> and i'm like cool <laughs> this is whatever it's, but it's it's uh he's more of the face of berserker i guess so um but yeah sometimes you know being the female part of things is a little less uh but it's nice that he gets that too and he's always supportive of me even as a booking agent there aren't a lot of women booking agents there's a lot of men and especially in the genre of of under the punk realm and it's um it's it's a tough 
it's a tough place to be in, uh, uh, not just for not making money, but also getting the same respect as my male counterpart would. And same as Berserker and same as... Uh, so that's sometimes a hard pill to swallow, but it's also something... If it's getting done, it's getting done, and I can't worry about if someone, just because I have boobs, doesn't think I'm more as qualified, then that's not my... That's on them, not me. So, But it's hard to be... You know, that's the part... The hard part about that is the not being able to be heard because of my gender. But it's, uh, but it's like I said, it's good to have my who my partner is in this understand that and be supportive completely, and not be like close-minded like that. Where you know it's all it's all us. The whole thing is us. So, not to go off on them feminist tangent <laughs> no actually it's it's fun well it's not funny i uh it i had just uh in the last like two weeks talked to sadie and christy from hip in detroit yeah and something great. that we had uh we we're discussing was just you know women in within the industry um because interestingly enough and i don't know if it's because of who i deal with between you know booking agents and venues and just being aware of of the michigan scene and, and beyond uh, as a whole, but I've actually noticed that it seems like there's a lot more women coming into the industry and actually doing better than most of their male counterparts. Um, yeah. I mean, Sadie and Christy put a, a great uh, spotlight on a lot of great bands, venues, things that people are doing, uh, yeah. working with Ramona and Black Iris Booking. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think, you know, as I was saying to them, I think there's actually a really great scene out in Detroit of you know the women that are within the industry and i'm actually looking actually looking at a poster that i did with uh this band seven birds one stone that i think are from out around that area um and like you know they have a it's a female fronted band as well um Mm -hmm. that you know i think it's becoming more of a thing where and maybe just because i have a different outlook on it i feel like maybe it's being more receptive like people don't care anymore if it's a male or female that it's just about the quality of whatever that person's producing right. whether it be shows bands music whatever right i think that's all that it should be based on not you know like you said if i have a pair of tits or if i have a dick like who gives a fuck like right. it should just be about the work you're putting in and how good is it but right. i think detroit's, exactly i think detroit's uh and i'm starting to notice it a little bit around here like even uh with the pyramid scheme nicole uh and before that like uh april, oh, i love nicole yep. yeah april and nicole were the first two people to kind of give me a shot within you know actually booking something outside of a house show and right. <laughs> so i mean it's like my first foray into booking shows in, in a bigger scale was you know with women being attached to the venue and dealing with them and growing that relationship so it's like that's really never been a thing that i didn't think was a thing i, I was i kind of figured there'd always were women higher up in the music industry but um i guess it's not always been the case as i'm finding out no well, and I and I, um, going back to like Sean and I, our our first date, we went to Anal Count and Seven Thousand Dying Rat Show, and I was I think one of two girls in the entire room, <laughs> and now I'll go to a show and there's a ton. Like I have to wait in line in the bathroom, which is never. I'm usually like dudes are jealous because I can just go right in and go to the bathroom and not. And now I have to wait in a fucking line, and I'm like, this is awesome that there's actually girls coming out and they're coming out in groups just each other not because their boyfriends brought them and that's something that i think is a misconception a lot of times is these there's a lot of women presence and it's it's becoming increasing and i and that i that makes me so excited because it is we're taking over <laughs> watch out 
we're taking over. <laughs> but I do. I think it's a. I think you know, women's roles. I worked with Ramona uh, at a time with her booking. Uh, she's actually the genius that taught me how to be a booking agent. She's an amazing woman, and she's an amazing part of the scene. Like I, I, I admire her for for how much she's done for women in the in the in this community and she's been doing it forever like her her uh her experience has been longer and she was booking back when i was at that anal con show where there was two people two women in the audience and so i am grateful for her to have to have had all those growing pains to get where she's at so i can do this now and it's not as bad as what i'm sure it was in the 90s where was uh, even and earlier was uh, you know a totally different thing and you know having having that kind of uh experience i i was so grateful to have learned from from her uh, from the master you know <laughs> because you know it would have like i you know of course i got some you know some uh experience from just seeing sean book his tour for 10 years diy and then you know but being able to jump in and being able to work with Ramona and learn from her was such a gift because that that's something that um you know you can't I can't unlearn what she taught me so so it's great I mean it's it's important I think to have this kind of uh uh, scope and I didn't mean to get into the whole women in the business no it's actually discussion but it's actually something that I have wanted like it's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you I'm hoping through mutual friends i can get ramona to do one of these with me down the road um i've actually there's a thing down here and i I know out in detroit like they kind of did one at the crowfoot where like kind of like a music industry talk kind of thing like where you know people within the industry sit down and people come to these things and ask questions and so forth i've actually had this thought for a while to do something with like get jacks from flynn eastwood get uh ramona get Nicole, get the lady, like, Sadie and <laughs> Christy from Hip in Detroit, and get mm-hmm. them all in a thing and kind of do, like, a Ladies of Michigan music or whatever, like, a right. conference-type thing and just have, you know, have them discuss, you know, things about, you know, like, between all of everyone I've just mentioned, and even, like, yourself included, there's decades upon decades of, you know, experiences and stories that I think are invaluable to uh, people in general yeah i agree i think that's a great idea it's just it's just like doing shows though it's a matter of how do you get everyone like first of all i'd have to figure out a time that would work for everyone to do it and (laughs) then having never done something like that like now i'd have to figure out like what does that look like and then start piecing it together and then getting everyone on board Mm -hmm. which you know is a is a thing but that's still kind of like a a bucket list kind of thing i'd like to do something and be involved in something like that and just kind of do something that's helpful to the the scene as a whole yeah that's great um last couple questions kind of winding this down now sure so i kind of meant to ask you this as you were talking about like living in the uh the the trailer or camper or whatever Mm -hmm. with sean how hard is it to compartmentalize your own life and have like things that are are you if if that makes sense that question does oh do you mean like that isn't doesn't have to do with child bite (laughs) Or just Sean in general, or, or even Sean. vice versa, like yeah. something. I mean, like I guess indirectly, you said that he like can go on a tour and get away and kind of do his own thing. Right. But I think, uh, like, that's a nice thing for me. Like, you know, on occasion when my wife's watching, you know, 
insert real housewives of whatever city town country whatever <laughs> right. uh when i don't feel like watching that like i'll maybe go and play guitar or play video games or do something yeah. like i have my own other hobby i can go do that piques right. my interest like in your situation like is there especially since you're just kind of right <laughs> on top of each other do you have like do you still have that time to do something that is for you only well being <laughs> the, the <laughs> interesting part about that well yes and you don't have another room to go to but it is because i do the booking like child bite isn't the only band i book so a lot of it um on top of booking child bite when i am not working on berserker i'm usually working on tours for other bands so it's a lot of um because you know how that goes <laughs> it's a lot of like emails and phone calls and people i'll have bands calling me at 2 a.m because their promoter didn't pay them or yeah whatever it is and so it's a kind of a 24-hour business and i tried not do on weekends but um but you know that's why i'm there for these bands so i do i mean that's a lot of that's a lot of uh, part of it, and I like to have a lot of FaceTime, and I like to have a lot of communication with my band. So I have a, a relationship with them, so I feel like I'm part of their band. I'm part of their family. So they feel always that they can talk to me um, and trust me with things. So uh, like Against the Grain, for instance, I book them, and they're so integral in this Detroit scene, too. They're great guys, and they're they're also a great band so when i when i'm working with a band that i support a lot that helps to make it easier to um to uh spend all that time so most of my downtime is uh booking tours <laughs> uh but i do also like i said i have a crochet business i make these scarf things that are they button in their hoods <laughs> and so i do i make these uh these scarves and they take about six hours each so and it's kind of sometimes my decompression so i'll i'll uh if i want to just go and not just take a break from the computer and get off of the emails and the whatever then i'll go and sit on the couch watch an old movie and make a scarf and that's sort of my other outlet there so you just dashed my thought of you playing like extreme metal while crocheting <laughs> yeah, yeah. i mean that happens too because sean and i if sean's like working on an art project because he has you know he'll do he'll do uh contract work to do you know bands posters or or lmr t-shirts or whatever so if he's working he'll you know put on a record and i'll you know listen to it while i crochet you know so it's you know which is fine also you know too so there's <laughs> there's a lot of uh there's not a lot of downtime but when we do have it you know usually it's usually also includes sean and i trying to figure out where we're going next or what we're going to do last year we spent a lot of the time uh like last winter we were in the south we spent michigan we didn't spend it was our first winter we didn't spend in michigan and it was interesting but trying to our, our life became very logistical we had to figure out okay well in two weeks where are we going next <laughs> so we were moving around a bunch so we had to really plan ahead uh and that was so that was an interesting thing in itself so that took up some time and uh but really yeah i think my outside time of sean is working for other bands <laughs> which is <laughs> now that i'm saying that i guess but I mean, he's very supportive of too i'll go and meet with all these dudes you know and 
you know, have a be have a two hour conversation and you know, he's not jealous. <laughs> it's so weird for him to be like, You're supposed to work on my band but it's it's uh he knows it's part of this world we live in. So yeah, so that's a lot of my because now especially working contract work for Chevy, we're, you know, working full time. So we work forty hours a week in an office and then I go home and I book tours. So there really isn't there really isn't downtime for, and berserker. There's between those <laughs> those three right now, and my crochet season just finished, so I just stopped. I just did all my craft fairs of the year, so now it's just berserker booking and this contract job. So it's been a little bit hectic uh, lately, <laughs> but but such is life. So it's okay. I'm glad. I'm glad I've got. I'm busy all the time. That makes I, I feel weird when I'm not busy. So. Last question. What is your what is your favorite Berserker memory so far in the four years, or in the three, I guess, with uh, this coming to be your fourth that you've had? Uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. <laughs> I think, oh, I've had a, there's a couple. <laughs> um, I think, so one of them, I'll say, I'll say a few, there's a couple. First one, um, there was this band Shitfucker. Can I say that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just did. Yep. So this band <laughs> Shitfucker that played, I think the second, what was it third? Uh, no, second year, and it, um, it they played the downstairs of the Wab, and it has these garage doors, but the room is so small, you could probably fit fifty people, maybe seventy-five people in this room. I think we said the capacity was a hundred, but it shouldn't have been. It was probably a fire hazard. <laughs> so. I couldn't, and I'm five feet tall, so it doesn't help me to, like, there's always bands I want to see, but being five foot, and most um, of our audience is over six feet, most of the time, I mean, you get swallowed up, and I can't see a thing, but I was like, oh, I'm a genius, I'm going to go outside, because they had these garage doors, and I can watch from out there, so I did, I went out, (laughs) because I tried to get in the room, I couldn't. Uh, I got swallowed, so then I went outside and I went to the to the <laughs> the door and I was watching them. And um, Dick, the singer, uh, saw me and he turned around. And he was wearing a cape and a speedo, a leather speedo, and that's it. <laughs> and he turned to me and he just whipped out his dick and balls, wiggled them at me, and then went back to playing. And that was sort of like, oh. <laughs> I'm glad I've got this seat in the house. I'm so glad that I worked so hard to try to see this band when that's what I get. Yeah. Last last year there was uh, 56 bands, I think, total uh, for the week, the, for the whole thing. And I got to see portions of three of them because <laughs> I was, I was working on delivering beer and getting all the bands taken care of, the load-ins, the load-outs, all that stuff. So I saw about three bands, but one band, Ghoul, was the, they're so amazing, and they are so grateful, and they were, they're from California, and they have never played Detroit, and I was so excited about that, that, um, and so I got to see, I think, 15 whole minutes of Ghoul, and it was, and I got to stand in a place where I actually could see, and I was really excited, <laughs> and so that part was, um, was awesome, and, uh, Poison Idea, having Poison Idea in the second 
run. Um, that's how I, how I met those guys, and that's how I started booking them as a uh, booking their tours, is through Berserker. Uh, so that that's also you know, Jerry is such a great guy from Poison Idea, and he he was impressed by the. So it was kind of nice to be noted that I did such a good job that they actually wanted me to be their booking agent. And for, for that's kind of a dream come true when you're like, oh, Poison Idea? <laughs> can, I, can I book you? Okay. Because that was the beginning of my booking career with Childbite and Poison Idea. So to start off that way was kind of insane and awesome. But it was because of the hard work that I put into Berserker. So that, was, that felt really great, too. So I think... I mean, those, there's high points, there's low points, uh, but it's, you know, but there, there was, look, we, we didn't have a venue last year. Like we, we got to a point where we were like, we don't know if they were going to have a venue or what's happening. And there was parts where Sean and I were just like, maybe we just don't do this anymore. And that broke my heart. It just broke my heart to say those words. But like in the same, every year we have the same conversation, like, oh, maybe this is the year people aren't going to show up. But if it is, then we know we did a good job and this is a good note to end on so regardless and then people show up so i can't i'm i filmed i filmed ghoul when i at last year's because of the it was the first time they ever played there and the people went nuts and it felt so good to introduce this band to people that have not been seen before and have everybody be so like what is this and love it so much that they're killing each other over it was <laughs> like to me that was that that's all I needed to see that was kind of that was my um my moment of you know this is why I do this this is completely why I do this and I can't like I can I can work till tears and you know try doing everything I can the pressure's on because then there's other people's money involved and there's uh, you know whatever and then I see that, and I can't, I can't unremember. Like, that's something that will always stick with me whenever I see, or, you know, when somebody's seeing Incantation, and they haven't seen them play in forever, and that's, and they're, like, completely so excited, that's, every year there's a headliner that just brings it for people, and they're so excited and so excited that they can't contain themselves. And I helped make that happen, and that is that to me is all I need. It's kind of that like when you see you made somebody that happy, <laughs> it's it's that's really all you need, I think. That was uh, I'm looking at uh, one of my last shows I did was a uh, Beast in the Fields last show out here. Oh yeah. And uh, I had tried booking that band for probably six or seven years, and just never like another friend of mine like always had like the contact for him and. He's in a band, so it always worked out. Like they did show trade, so I was like, "Ah, oh, that sucks." And right. then, like he hit, me, like they ended up. Uh, he hit me up. He's like, "So, you know, Beast wants a show. It's on. A, they want a Wednesday though." And I was like, "Or a Thursday." And I was like, "Uh, well, let's see if I can get Pyramid Scheme." And then, like, I was yeah. like, "There's this band out of Kalamazoo, Bonehawk, that are very like old school, like throwback oh, kind yeah. of. So good, and I've been wanting to book them for a long time too. And so yeah. I hit them up. I'm like, "Hey, so I know you're playing the show the next day in Kalamazoo with them, but like." any chance I could get you guys to do this and like yeah and then slowly it just kind of became my show and I was like wow I get like the first time I get to book this band is the last time they get to play in GR like you know right. honor and a privilege right that's and I awesome like that, getting, that's, they're such a great band 
I remember, like, uh, as they were getting ready to go on, uh, the guitar player from Bonehawk, Chad, and I went behind Jamie's wall of amps to experience it from that perspective, <laughs> uh, since Whoa. we never had, uh, and just seeing what it was like to be on the stage and, you know, with that loud, those loud amps going. But yeah, and then it's like, you know, like being able to peer over the top of those amps and, and looking out at the crowd, like, I'll, I'll never forget that, like, just being like, oh, yeah, this is the last time, like, this is going to happen here, and it's like, you know, like, I... You know, made it happen and to see all these people here like you know going ape shit for this band that you know won't be anything to anyone outside of like maybe indirectly our local michigan scene but right it's but, and those... it's nice it's it's i mean there's something about that feeling of like ah oh. yeah <laughs> like it it worked yeah <laughs> and I, they love it <laughs> it's great that's there's something that is very rewarding about that feeling of, and it's nice to be a part of something that might, that's a little bit monumental, even if it's something, one show or one fest or one band that you got to have come out. That's, there's something that's very rewarding about, that's yours. You did it. Even though you will never get credit for that, that <laughs> <laughs> you did that. And it's, and, uh, it's, you know, it's like, if you donated a lot of money to some charity that just helped them, you know, buy a thousand coats for people, yeah. you know, those people don't have any idea that you bought that coat for them, but it feels great to do that kind of thing. Yeah. And there is something to it, I think. There is. Well, thank you for your time. Is there any, uh, any plugs or anything? Any, you know, places people can get tickets or... Any of the social oh, yeah. media stuff you want to plug? Yes. Well, uh, there's a few. We <laughs> are uh, come to Berserker April 14th and 15th, the Crowfoot Complex. Uh, there will be a kickoff show at Smalls on the 13th, the Thursday before, where you can come and get your tickets. You still have your last minute to get your uh, your pre-sale tickets, so you don't have the day of sale uh, costs. And uh, we'll have some great bands at that yet to be announced. I'm not going to spill in the beans. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we will have we have tickets. We still have a, I think we still have a couple of the special pre-sale tickets available right now. And those we have some in stores, and we have some uh, um, available online if you go to uh, com. And that you can get your tickets there, and they're, they, you're saving like 20 bucks, and you get a sweet enamel pin, and uh, oh my god, I can't even remember what you get some cool stuff. <laughs> with it. Um, so if you go, but you can if you live in the Detroit area, you can go to um, these places that are our sponsors, uh, which is Sellerman's. They're going to be actually. This hasn't been announced yet, but. Um, so this could be, this is kind of cool, that uh, Sellerman's is actually making a Berserker, special Berserker mead Ooh. for Berserker this year, which we've never had that before, but we love the guys at Sellerman's, and so they're going to be making a special one that's just going to be available at, or, um, they're working right now to have it at the kickoff as well, so you can have a taste. Um, so that's happening, So, the, but they also have tickets, um, you can get tickets there. Um, also, you can get tickets at uh, UHF. They are selling them there uh, at uh, their box office. You can get it at the Crowfoot box office. And I believe Found Sound and Stormy Records 
Ferndale's in Dearborn and Pound Sound in Ferndale. So you can uh, pick up your tickets there. We have a few in each of those, but very limited, uh, and then or online. So uh, I don't think I'm forgetting anybody, but I think um, as long as we, uh, you know, I would snag those. If you if you haven't gotten a pre-sale ticket and a special one, because we only had 200 of them, so I know that we're it's whittling down to not very many of those left. So if uh, it's, I mean, it it makes the world of sense because you're not gonna you're not going to regret getting a whole weekend pass because the first day lineup is, I mean, I can't talk <laughs> about it. <laughs> I can't talk about it, but you won't regret having a whole weekend because it's gonna be the whole weekend is gonna be amazing. And well, how about plugging your crochet thing so that we can try to get some? Oh yeah, the uh, my crochet business is called uh, it's www.astacrochet. It's a s t a crochet dot com, and you can see my scarves that I make there. But I think actually I'm currently sold out because I actually sold out of all of them already. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> so so I, it'll take me a little bit to rebuild my stock. So. I'm kind of busy at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and then, are you going to be on the road with Childbite in the next? Because I know they got some tour. They're on tour right now. Obviously, you're not on that, but nope. Uh, yep, they're coming back through Detroit um, at the Crowfoot again with Superjoint. I'm sure Sean will plug that himself uh, <laughs> when you talk to him. But he, yeah. So I'm going to be on tour, uh, or I'm not, I don't actually. I think I'm going to skip this one because there's too much to do berserker related um right now that someone needs to be at the home front for so lots of meetings to be had and yada yada so uh but i uh yeah he'll be home in february so then we'll take it up again then <laughs> all right well thank you for your time and yeah enjoy the rest of your day you too thanks for calling yeah put three shots up that good whiskey Around the room with our broken backs Try to change the world without contact We last a little longer in the flood Yes, we learn to keep our champions